0: Before we get started with today's episode, be sure to go check out lots of different content coming out at platform.com. That's P-L-T-4-M dot com. We are kicking off the new year, 2020, with lots of new things, including an off-season guide that will be coming out at the beginning of the year that Coach Dan Breslin has been working tirelessly on. Isn't that right, Coach Bres? That's right. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Good. And that is what we are going to spend most of our time talking about on today's episode. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right, on today's episode of Chalk Talk, we'll be spending the majority talking about off-season training and how that pertains to high school student athletes so everybody kind of comes in and out of off season at different times there's a lot of different things to take into consideration and where i really want to get started in our conversation today coach brez is that transition period itself because a lot of coaches will ask if they should jump into a one rep max to start off in their offseason others want to know if they should give a few weeks before they start to dive into certain things when the season ends how do you think about that transition period when it
1: pertains to the weight room Sure. Um, <clears throat> that's a great question because it is something that uh, I think a lot of people gloss over. Um, but I, I, before I even answer that, I think m- before I kind of answer all these questions, I just do want to reiterate that when we're talking off season here today, um, this is with the assumption that uh, you have already kind of uh, taken into consideration the the longer-term development of your entire athletic population from, you know, incoming freshmen through seniors, et cetera. So right now we're talking about athletes that have basically been experienced enough that we're, we're looking at truly in-season and off-season. Right, they're ready to <laughs> train. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I just want to make sure that we're clear there because I, I, I always, uh, you know, want to put my focal point on, um, you know, building to that point. Um, you know, today we're going to focus more on those that have already, you know, progressed that far.
0: Yeah, so maybe, like, it's the the athletes that are developed, and we won't use ages or grades because it could be different for different people. Absolutely, being mindful of that from all of our previous conversations. But for someone that is ready to kind of hit a off-season training by its real kind of traditional sense of like, let's get to work. Mm -hmm. um, Let's just start there. When they're ready to get to work, are they hitting a one rep max? Are they going right into it? Or are we kind of easing them back into strength and conditioning of an off-season style?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's really the the latter. Um, and what I do want to impress upon people is to remember that um, you got to look at the, the, the four years' worth or three years or two years' worth of training and not get so focused on, hey, we only have like eight weeks, ten weeks, etc., so we want to maximize our time by going too hard too early. Um, when you get done with a competitive season – Um, my general approach and what a lot of coaches do, I think it was Winkler that had mentioned his transition period was very similar is I like to give a week minimum off. Um, if you're saying that I'm done with a sport and I am not playing a sport in the, in the coming months, um, and I'm going to be, you know, in the full swing of off season training, um, I like to say, well, that's great. I love the enthusiasm. And even if you feel awesome, I want you to take a week away. Um, I do that for a couple of reasons. Um, One, I think they're not quite sure that how much they've put their body through over the last three months, whatever it is. Like imagine our high school football season goes from uh, the middle of August through the end of November. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, that, you know, you accumulate fatigue, you accumulate soreness, you accumulate overuse injuries. Those things I wanna really give your body a chance to recover. So I'm saying a week away, and maybe even more importantly, If I want them to be invested every time they're in the weight room, the mental side of things is just as important. And I'd rather have them, like, chomping at the bit to come back than force them in the room the very first day. So I almost pull them back and say, hey, I know you're interested in getting in there. Please take the week off.
0: Yeah, and what what Coach Winkler did a really good job breaking down is, like, you know, you have a team, like you mentioned, three months – but you also had done off-season training, mm-hmm. summer training. It's more than just those three months. It was big all picture. the other stuff that you did. A big picture, and then on top of that, if you have a team that's been successful, you've stacked on extra games, absolutely playoff games, and and postseason. Mm-hmm. That's just more wear and tear. And he even goes so far with with his school and his team to give even more than one week. Yeah, um, I mean, and there's plenty yeah. of different time. But it seems like no matter what. A little bit of rest no matter what makes
1: sense. I think it goes a really, really long way when you're asking somebody to invest their time into training uh, you know, week over week for year over year. Um, if you're somebody that says that training only exists in a 10-week period during the year, it's hard to justify that I'm going to take a week off, but it shouldn't only be a 10-week period. It should be a larger plan that covers four years. And in that case, it's really easy to say, hey, We've got a lot of time on it. We've got 51 other weeks yeah. that are training. Um, let's focus on getting ready to go um, by kind of pulling back and, and recovering. Now, you can be off-off. Um, what I generally say is I go a week off, a week of, um, call it active recovery, where just you know lightweight, body weight, um, just want to move again mm-hmm. to ease back in. I think the overarching theme is ease into the full swing of things. Right. Um, my approach is I want you to take one week off. I want you to come in and you're only going to do, you know, good foundational movement patterns, body weight, some light aerobic conditioning type of things to just get the body moving again. And then even when we start the first week of our off-season program, I tell our kids, and this goes into a larger discussion that we've talked about with work sets and and percentages and and maxes and all that other stuff. I don't care about maxes in the the literal sense of PRs. So I tell every single kid, I don't care how you feel. Yes. Don't care how you feel. Every one of you is dropping that 20%. Yeah. And you know what, it's, and it's funny
0: because the reason why Coach Winkler even wrote the article that we're referencing to and it will be in the podcast description is he got a call from a coach basically saying like, hey, I want to hit the offseason hard. Should I max? Should I do this? Should I do that? And he asked that coach, and this isn't in the article, this is a little backstory of it, of, well, what would you do during the weeks leading up to it? And, well, we didn't do any in-season training. So it was 12 weeks completely off. So to your point, like you look at it in that vacuum, like we got to get going because we're quote unquote behind or yep. anything else like that. Yep. It's a lot easier to have this conversation. I think if you're thinking about it in a yearly picture and probably doing in-season training. So whether or not you did it this year, keep that in mind for future years
1: to come. Yeah. You don't want to make things worse by trying to fix stuff that has already passed. Right. If you say that, well, we didn't in-season train, so we need to get after it. Now I need to max. You're actually, it, it's worse. Yeah. Than if uh, you know you had said well we, we trained all uh, season and I'm I'm gonna max again just yeah. I wouldn't do that either but y- you don't want to kind of try to fix what has, has happened previously by and then jeopardize what's gonna happen yep. down the road. There's no real reason to max on the first day you're you're in the gym um, unless and again this is where that like a lot of people go well you know these kids haven't trained before and then I'm gonna bring back to my original point like whoa 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 if they don't have a, a rough idea of where they're at, if you don't have an idea of where they're at, they don't have any training history, then a quote-unquote, as we're talking about it, off-season program is not the place to start.
0: Well, I think that's why anybody would
1: probably guess to Max first is, well, I want to have some
0: baselines Mm -hmm. so that I can then go from there. And I think what we're saying especially is just – Kids that have done enough training will know what their general baseline is to take it down 20%. Yes. Yes. They don't have to do a one rep to figure out what that would be. And
1: look, no world is perfect. So if you absolutely had to, there's there are ways to kind of blend the two together. If yeah. you've never trained before, take four weeks. Yeah. First week is that you know, body weight teach movement. Get some volume under your belt. Second week, start adding some sort of resistance. Go from an air squat to a goblet squat um, to start building up some, quote-unquote, intensity into those lifts. Then introduce barbells so that you're teaching barbell movement. Not crazy weight. You're just teaching the barbell movement. Then in your fourth week, work your way up to something that maybe is only 40% of their actual capacity, but now you have a number. Mm -hmm. And now that number you can then uh, translate. basically progress from over the course of your off-season training program.
0: Yeah, and that's a perfect segue actually to one of the questions that comes up a lot from um, uh, our customer success team who who helped us out with some of these frequently asked questions is, you just mentioned week one, week two, week three, week four. Well, what if one kid thought he was maybe going to go out for a team so he wasn't there for a couple (laughs) weeks and then he shows up in week four, week five, week six? Should they start back at week one or is off-season training – under the right circumstances, fluid enough that they can kind of just jump in with everybody else? Like, how do you balance those kids? Because we know they come all the time. All my buddies are coming. I'm going to jump in with them. Yep, I'm a month behind
1: them. Sure. Um, and as I want to say uh, in these discussions is first, let me say that there's no, there, there's no black or white answer to that question. There are so many circumstances that could dictate multiple different answers. The first of which is um, – and maybe I'll try to put this to bed afterwards. If you've got somebody that's never worked out before and they come out and they're in week three, week four, throwing in the new off-season program, no matter how you've designed the program, as we'll talk on, touch on in a second, yeah. is not the best idea. Sure. Right? Having an on-ramp of some sort, whether that's the macro sense of you always know that in freshman year this is the, progress, the pro- progression they go through or whatever. Um, no, you don't want to throw a kid from experience level Above or below, and just throw them in. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking, just okay, you know, your junior football player that was going to play basketball decides to quit, and it's like I'm going full off season. Could you throw him into week four with the rest of the team? My answer to that is yes, you can, but is entirely dependent on how you've programmed your training program with regards to the off season phase cycle, whatever it is that you, um, you know basically schedule over that 10 week period because in my mind, when it comes to off season development, um, in the most kind of amorphous sense, you need to approach it with the idea that at the high school level, it's more about fluidity than rigidity. You need to be very, very flexible. And what I mean by that is the exact same, you know, scenario that you just mentioned of kids come and go is the absolute reality for 90% of all teams, groups, programs. And Add on to that, most cycles for off-season, the kid that says I'm not in a sport right now is small, right? Maybe it's eight weeks. Sometimes in the summer, it's six. Um, So what you need to say is, if I only have a short amount of time and I can't guarantee that kids start on day one and end on day 100 or whatever, can I create a program that no matter what, they gain and progress across the domains that i am looking to develop in the course of an off season which is this whole concept of maybe if you want to we can dive into different types of periodization there's yeah. linear from a macro sense there's linear from a phase to phase a cycle cycle there's also things called conjugate we look at something called basically conjugate and concurrent training where it's every week is going to develop the same total domains maybe slight emphasis changes um, so that if that kid comes to three weeks, whether it's week one, week seven, and week 10, or weeks one through three, they're going to experience all four domains so that they don't just, oh, we're only doing strength for these three weeks. They yep. missed those three weeks or vice versa. They only hit those. So if you program with the kind of thought in mind that it's the total result that I'm looking for, that over these 10 weeks, I want to improve four things, one thing, two things, three things, whatever it is. Each week should probably have some element to that, and it shouldn't be something that like you have to start at day one that you finish at day 100. Can you program that way? 100%. But it makes it very difficult for all of these situations you're talking yeah, about. Yeah,
0: especially at the – I mean really any level. you got to take into consideration vacations, life events, sickness, all the different things, injuries that could come up along the way. So that's I think what we'll get into in terms of – when we start to talk about the different goals that you're going for in an Mm -hmm. off-season training program. Um, And I think one, before we move to that point that kind of was ringing not to go back to it again, is if that kid's jumping in in week eight and we're still hitting on all those different things, if he's jumping in with at least a base level of experience that he's even eligible to be in that program, it's the same thing that we talked about at the beginning. You just have to back off the weights because you're not at the same point as the kid who's been going that eight weeks of consistent training right
1: well, right and in my my whole you know some people are like well you know i don't want them to jump in at like heavy weights versus light weights and more reps but my response to that would be there are a lot of programs that put like power work second or first in yeah. the quote-unquote phase if you know you have kids for an entire 10 weeks straight Yeah. so to assume that that one's inherently more dangerous more safe more applicable for the beginning versus the end is somewhat erroneous in the sense that it's all just your own personal preference of where you make your emphasis at yeah so if the kid has training experience can modify workouts appropriately he can jump into whatever quote-unquote week you're in but I'm going to also say, if you've built 10 weeks of programming and you love the way it starts from start to finish, it's totally okay also to have kids on week eight and one kid on week three and one kid on, on week five and three on week four. Um, it, no, brother. it's harder to manage. Well, or... it, it, it can, but if this is the experience group that's directing their own training and knows what to do, right. how to do it, and they are sitting there going, coach, I know my workout for the day. Um, I might be squatting the same day. It might be like, I'm doing reps of five and they're doing reps of eight or vice versa. It's not that hard to, to kind fair. of juggle, uh, multiple different yeah, that's athletes. Fair. So you can certainly do it. I, I kind of go back and forth, you know, at times I'm like, Hey, here's our 10 weeks whenever you start, start here and we'll walk our way through, especially in like the winter when we might not, we might only have 20 guys that are full off season. Yeah. I'm not worried about weight room flow. I'm not worried like, oh, if this kid's on week one, like the fact that he's on a lighter, you know, back squat day or he's front squatting versus back squatting is going to be a problem for gym flow. I'm not really worried about it because there's only 20 kids in there and they can get it done. Um, So again, there's no wrong answer. It depends on are they able to perform the workout as written, Mm -hmm. which no week of your 10 week off season program should be impossible for somebody to to accomplish if they've had the proper education, yeah. right? Like your week 10 shouldn't be dependent on week 1 for completion. You might say that the best result comes from 1 through 10 in a row because you've built, you know, progressive overload, progressive volume overload, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but it should never be something that like if i put you in week 10 you're going to get hurt you're going to do something wrong or it's not going to be worth anything to you right there's still something to get out because there's too many instances of that
0: for sure so uh let's take a quick break that's a good stopping point because i think what we'll spend most of our time on the second half of the episode is talking about some of those different goals Mm -hmm. and how they associate to how you attack those different types of programming methods and philosophies that you talked about so sit tight and we'll be right back While we're taking this quick break from our episode with Coach Sam Breslin, you heard at the front half of the episode us reference a few times uh, Coach Mike Winkler's article, and it's called When Football Season Ends, Rest, Don't Rush. It's a great breakdown on how to attack and approach off-season training, but it also addresses a large population of student athletes that are jumping right into a winter season and how we should work with them, regardless if they're getting back into the field of competition or going to another tryout, how as strength coaches or folks working with the kids in the weight room, we should approach it. It's gotten a great response. There's been a lot of feedback on Facebook of, I think, jokingly, rest don't rush go wrestle go play basketball go do all these different things go check out the article read it in its entirety and then see how you feel about different options when it comes to training after the season ends for football regardless of your sport but that's a little small tidbit there so with that let's jump back into the show all right we are jumping back into to today's episode Coach Sam Breslin has been working a lot on an off-season guide, and his brain, with his own football season wrapped up, is in off-season mode. So, Coach Bres, thanks for spending some time on this topic. Anytime. So, we talked a little bit about it, and I want to pick it apart on the last half of the episode. As you made mention, to all of the different types of ways that you can attack or approach training. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times we run into those things with coaches and teachers saying, well, when should we really be in the weight room and lifting heavy and doing X, Y, and Z versus when should we start to think about getting out of the field, doing speed and agility and conditioning? And it's a common question in relation to the off-season. So do you mind kind of picking apart a little bit more in terms of those different ways of approaching our training and how it relates to 10 weeks, 20 weeks, 30 weeks of all of the different off-season options, because I know it's a huge topic to sort of try to unpack.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think worth referencing is that uh, the way people approach this conversation in their their own heads is often um, a result of... Um, I don't want to call it an old school because it's not a negative sense. It's, it's been around forever is the concept of linear periodization, at least the way that it is uh, you know, talked about or uh, internalized in that uh, let's say the next level, or if you're an Olympic athlete that has like a competition period, that is a small window of time in a given year, or even if you want to break it down to team sports, let's say you're a college football program. The moment the season ends, you have off season all the way into pre-season and then a season. And a lot of people, you know, traditionally looked at it as a, uh, plan in which they would say, okay, Immediately after the season, we're going to focus on um, you know size gain, then we're going to focus on strength gain, then we're going to focus on maximal power, and then speed and conditioning, so that the moment camp starts, we're at our quote-unquote best. Mm-hmm. Um, and while that is, is totally a, a fair approach, um, and it's been used in a lot of places, um, it's not necessarily the, the go-to even at the elite level anymore, and it's also probably not all that applicable to the high school level, because... You really don't have anybody that has, call it, 40 weeks of a dedicated off-season training plan where you can progress religiously from one end to the other. Right. Almost – and even – not even just progress. Like some
0: kids might quite literally have 40 weeks but before their next season starts. But –
1: I mean, you're hard pressed to find any high school kid that has 40 uninterrupted weeks. Well, exactly, um, and I, I think also, it, you know, the, the whole concept of linear periodization has just kind of gotten um, confused and and mislabeled and then misappropriated in a lot of programs where it's you're always supposed to start with volume and end with power. Um, When in reality, a lot of those things are somewhat contradictory to one another. And to say that you're going to focus on one thing at the exclusion of all else and then move to that and try to compensate for it. From a team sport and athletic development, we're not talking bodybuilding. We're not talking, you know, Olympic competition. We're talking about team sports where you have to be good at a whole lot of things. Once camp starts, yeah. Um, to say that you know the last time you worked on you know durability and hypertrophy was in January and your season starts in August, the things you worked on in January are gone.
0: Yeah, and so that's why you may mention too at the front half of the show that in any given week. You're trying to make sure that in some capacity or another, you're kind of hitting on all those different.
1: Yeah. I like to, I like to think of it as when you are truly developing an athlete for a competitive season, AKA you're in the off season, identify the goals that you think, uh, striving for would make a better athlete on the field Mm -hmm. period. And those things should happen at all times in some sense. So for us, uh, you know, where we come from is, um, we believe it's strength, power, control and capacity and at all times those four things are uh, being worked on Mm -hmm. um so where what does that look like um and then how is it kind of juxtaposition to what you're talking about with regards to um very classic example in the winter football coach goes well i don't need to be in shape for football season right now because it's the winter and we don't have to be in shape till next january i want to get huge yeah okay that's one let me just say that that's okay that's fine if that's your approach um you can say that we're going to focus on you know volume and strength no conditioning totally fair what i would argue you know as a, a high school football coach is that most of those kids have another season before your season yeah and if they're not in shape for that season they're going to get hurt in that season and you are end up you know pulling something away from your own athletes.
0: Right. And I think one of the big reactions to your point exactly is the football season ends and it's just like, you know, we just weren't quick enough. Or, oh, you know, we just weren't strong enough. Or we just weren't big enough. Or whatever the just weren't X enough, that becomes the main emphasis of training no matter what. Where then all of a sudden next season you might, you know, have all gotten your kids up to whatever numbers you were, had these goals of. But then – you just weren't mobile enough. Or you just didn't have the we're capacity in best to shape. finish we were, You
1: know, so if you're if you're reactionary to the sense that we weren't X enough and then you say that's all we're gonna focus on in an off season, in a preseason, and or whatever, you have just shifted your problem from one thing to another because you can't be all out the best at this thing yeah. without not being great at something else. Yep. So what do I mean by that? Like I played you know, college football for, for four years, the D1 level, and the question was always, how much weight have you gained? How big are you? How strong are you? And that was the off-season question. Yep. And from January, really December, if we hadn't made the playoffs, all the way through um, really call it August, it was what is your max – Squat, bench, and clean, what has it gone up, and how much weight have you gained? And so while that's a fair – you can program to say that these six months, I don't give a sh- – excuse me. I don't give a crap <laughs> about your conditioning in any way, shape, or form because I want to get you as big as possible. Are you going to see you know, relatively larger you know, size gains? You can. But what happens when I need to get in shape now? I will lose a whole lot of that. There's a right. reason that the moment the season starts, you're at one weight and you end at another. Yeah. right. And what I have kind of transitioned to is I'd much rather say that at whatever point an athlete is delivered to a season, they are ready for the rigors of that season to perform at their best and not lose out. Yeah, and
0: so uh, the part that I think is really interesting and I think you've kind of said it's okay if that's where you're going is like, cause I was in the same mindset as a, as a college athlete myself. The season was, would end, and I would yeah. want nothing to do with the conditioning aspect of my sport. Mm-hmm. And again, for those who have listened, I swam. I love to talk about it. Uh, but I would hit the weight room. Mm-hmm. I would probably gain like 10, 15 pounds of muscle and other things and everything else like that. But no matter what happened, I would always get back to swimming, which would come kind of back around in the summer and the fall. And I'd start to lose weight, and I, the weights I could lift would go down. So like it would be like, all right. I was always doing that, and it was always coming back to hit
1: and, me. And you can make the argument that it's like we're going to overreach and so that the downslide ends at a, a better spot. And that's totally fair. I I personally, and again, this is, comes from just not only the 10-plus the years of training kids into the season that I also coach, which has really been a benefit because I can see the results, yeah. but also my own what I wish I had done and where I I believe I missed out in my training yeah. um, is that I'd much rather kind of, uh, to, to, to be blunt, I'd rather limit my size and strength gains with the continual and concurrent development of some sort of capacity, whether that is um, actual conditioning. And I right. think it's important, and I know you're about to go
0: there, is that when people hear capacity, they picture. All right, well, we got to find time to go out on the field. It's winter.
1: It's yeah. cold, and that's not always what capacity is. It doesn't have to be. Absolutely not. I mean, we're we're firm believers that you know you can do a lot of uh, capacity work in the gym. Um, we're not just talking about doing 100 burpees in place. I mean, any combination of uh, body weight movement, lightweight movement done for high volume um, has been used. Forever. Yeah. Right. It's one actually a great hypertrophy uh mechanism because you know metabolic distress and fatigue uh ensures that you're actually gonna create uh, muscle gain while also helping with your aerobic and anaerobic conditioning. So is doing, you know, bodyweight finishers um, a great way to build capacity in the offseason? Yes. Will it replace running or prepare you to go out and run for the same amount of time at the same level? No, you've got to do both. You've got to do a little bit of everything, yeah. which is why I believe that, like, if I'm going to say, I'm going to focus on strength. So power lifts, we're doing them. And throughout the entire year, we're always going to try to maintain or improve our strength levels. Yeah. Because that's injury prevention. That's speed that's um you know power aka vertical jump if you if you have a higher squat your vert and your speed uh your, your sprint times are going to go up yeah um power which is can i actually apply that force that we're building in our our strength lifts um through things like plyometrics and only lifts and variations etc can you combine strength with you know speed to uh, create that power control we care about proprioception and coordination. Are you gonna do things in the gym that challenge you, like being on the field challenges you? Because you can't practice your sport year-round, you shouldn't practice your sport year-round, even though people want to, right. but you can do things in the gym. No, I'm not talking about the Alvin Kamara Boju ball like uh, juggling. Yeah. I'm talking about you know, are you challenging yourself from uh, mobility and movement, and range of motion standpoint, uh, new movements, complex movements, You know, learning a barbell snatch, even though we don't program it, if you just learn it, even with a barbell only, You're going to gain some proprioception there. So like you can do those things. And then lastly, capacity. Yes. Classic running, rowing, biking, body weight finishers, other things can all kind of combine. And then in the weeks leading up to your season, you can be much more specific in terms of like, well, we're a rowing team. We're going to get on the ergs now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think what what we are going to run out of time on, and it's just a good kind of uh, cherry on top that we wanted to get to. And I think every coach will hear this part is we do strength, power, control, capacity. And the one that's not on that list is culture and like what you're doing in the weight room and and all of those different things that you talked about where sometimes your goals are, well, I want to get really strong and I want to get really powerful. A lot of that control and capacity and finishers or like different workouts that you can kind of do team building and Mm -hmm. all that. That's a big part of it too. Like are right. not programming culture, but it's happening.
1: I think it's it's arguably the biggest point, and uh, not to over throw around the, that concept and word of culture. I mean more of the the sense that it almost doesn't matter what you program; it's what are you getting from your athletes, and the best program is the one done consistently,
0: right? And one that kids want to be a part of.
1: And you can build whatever program you want that focuses on hypertrophy overall, or strength overall, or power overall, or speed and agility overall, if you don't get kids to show up regularly and work out together, you're missing the boat entirely.
0: Yeah. And and that's, again, uh, and now I'm just looking at the list of questions because we got a little off track, is the other part in the same vein is mm-hmm. a lot of coaches will say, like, how many days should you do? Well, three days, four days, what's better? This, that, or the other thing, but the same point. If you're doing three days consistently or you're doing four days consistently, the key word there isn't three or four. Consistent. It's consistently.
1: Yeah. And Dream- then,
0: Go ahead. No, no. I, I think that builds into not only what you're developing from a actual like body development of each individual athlete, but the culture that we're talking about, not that we have to go you know,
1: Yeah. To Are you getting people to show up with consistency um, and over time uh, training frequency is really not the biggest, uh, you know, confusing question in the world uh, as you start. Um, Training frequency is lower. If you're brand new to a weight room, then two or three times a week is great. If you're experienced, four, even five times um, is better because you're gonna get more out of it and it takes more to push. Um, You need to balance always recovery with work. So total volume needs to be managed with intensity. If you're going heavy, heavy volume, the intensity might need to go down a little bit. Um, And I mean that from a day perspective, a week perspective, a month perspective, a season perspective is you can't just go i am going to lift heavy on four power lifts um every three days for four months because could you do it for four weeks and see a great strength gain from those four lifts Absolutely. Right. At some point, you are going to hit the law of diminishing returns because you haven't changed intensity, you haven't changed volume, you haven't built in recovery via you know kind of undulating modes of how much you're doing, of what you're doing, how you're doing it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a, a good stopping point just in terms of the larger conversation. There's a lot to consider. Off season not only has a lot of different variables of who you're working with how long you get to work with them, what all of those different restrictions are. And while this is a quick podcast, you are coming out with a great off-season guide that will be released in the next couple of weeks for our listeners. You can be on the lookout. It By the time you listen to this, it might actually be out, so go check it out. With all of that that you've done, is there anything else that you've kind of stumbled across or kind of has been a real kind of – focus or, or major takeaway that you've had now kind of really burying your head into off season and, and writing about it and thinking about it?
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, cause there's areas on, you know, percentages and loading and, and maxes and goals and all of this stuff. It's really easy to get lost in the weeds of creating workouts, creating days, weeks, and maybe a program. Um, but you are not going to see the return on investment that you want unless you look at it from the top down. If you haven't planned for the next four years of what you think you can get done and how with your entire team, yeah. you're not really gonna see the, the results that you're looking for. So when I look at my you know football program at the high school down the street, I don't think of it as what's the workout today? I'm like, okay, in the winter, I know, or I shouldn't even say it, in the winter. This year, season ended, between now and next season, I have rising sophomores, freshmen now, that need to complete this introductory you know, slate of progressional uh, learning so that they can train with us full time. I have uh, seasoned members that are in season. They're gonna follow this program in the winter, this program in the spring, and this program in the summer. And each one of those is gonna have some consideration for, well, most of them are gonna go play lacrosse after, some of them are gonna go play baseball after. And then all those kids that are in season, what are they given the opportunity to train? Is that that static, that traditional two days a week? how am I going to create the biggest total package between now and next football season when I get control of them entirely again?
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great place that even now, like I'm in season and I found myself being a culprit to that, I'm like, well, we gotta get ready for this first meet, we gotta get ready for this first uh, league meet, we have to get ready for X, Y, and Z, and then my assistant coach who's always checking me and keeping me in balance is like, these kids are here for another four years. They need to be developed before they're even ready for meet one, two, or three. Who Absolutely. cares about meet one, Absolutely. two, or three? And I think that's the same principle that we, you're landing on in off-season training.
1: Yeah, don't don't sacrifice um, the long-term pot- possibilities and potential of not just your athletes, but your team, your program, right? Like if you want your, your team to be great four years from now, those freshmen need to be taken from step one all the way to that top step. Right. Um, so look at it in the more the, the the macro sense because when it push comes to shove, the kids that are the ones on the field at any given moment are gonna be a summation of what they've been doing for the last three, six, nine years. Yep. Not what they did the three weeks before. If you think that some miracle program in the summer is he going to change what your football program is like in the fall? You're sorely mistaken. You've missed the boat entirely. It's just not worth even doing at that point. It's did you invest in your development of a team, a program, and a culture over the last one, two, three, four years? Yep, and I think that's a great place to stop because obviously
0: that can sometimes seem daunting as any coach, myself included, being a younger coach looking to figure all of that out. Mm-hmm. But the, the biggest thing I would say as i do and as we encourage a lot of our coaches to do is you know use the resources and use the things available to you so platform is coming out with a lot of those resources like an off season guide training programs a great customer support team all of those different things and i don't usually plug those on the podcast but i think it's worth meriting that what we just described can be daunting making a 5 year plan and what am i going to get there there's
1: plenty of things out there that can can help you out including and us and so, we yeah we can be a resource and like uh, my my closing statement would be think broad but plan simple. Yep. Right? Think very big picture and the easiest way to do it for most people in the largest amounts of time so that you can look at it in big building blocks and then dive into the weeds when and how appropriate. Right. When you're ready to, for sure. Awesome. Well, go check all of
0: that out at platform.com. That's plt4m.com. That link is also in the bio if you're listening to this on Apple or somewhere that you got to find a way to get to us. So that's plt4m.com. the number 4m.com. And remember, at Platform, it's always in pursuit of better.